0: Alright, hey everybody, welcome to Mass Struggle. I'm going to go ahead and dive in. Um, Recently, I've become aware of an error in my thinking that I believe may be an error in many Maoists' thinking, particularly here in the United States. So today, I want to do three things. First, I'll explain my previously held position on the particular strategy for overthrowing capitalism, imperialism, and fascism in capitalist imperialist countries. Then... I'll engage three sources, I believe illuminate the correct position on people's war or people's revolutionary civil War for capitalist imperialist countries. And finally, I will wrap up the episode with an observation, a brief one, on right and left errors of thinking on people's war and the practices those misunderstandings will produce. Until recently, my position was that one cannot claim protracted people's war to be universal because it has not been tested and proven correct in an industrial capitalist country. Gonzalo and the uh, the Communist Party of Peru, PCP, um, argued that it was, but one cannot claim a general truth for revolutionary science without revealing its truth through practice. That is what historical idealists do, not historical materialists. And, given that the PCP was unsuccessful in carrying their revolution through the establishment of a democratic dictatorship of the proletariat and now needs to completely reconstitute the party upon Marxism, Leninism, Maoism, not some guiding thought, it would be a revision of the science to agree with the line of Gonzalo thought that proclaims protracted people's war to be universally applicable. However, While I had not fully aligned with this error and thinking, I had been influenced by it without being conscious of it. Although I have never believed that protracted people's war has been proven to be universal, and thus it is wrong to proclaim its universality, I had a very muddied perception of insurrection, people's war, and protracted people's war. Ultimately, I looked at the protracted character of the present stage of struggle within the capitalist imperialist countries, and assumed it was right to redefine the concept of protracted people's war that Mao originally coined for the particular strategy developed for semi-colonies to be a general concept universally applicable in imperialist and semi-colonies alike, although particularly applied in different ways. When I've thought about the theory of insurrection, I've long thought of it as an excuse held by revisionists, to not do the hard work of developing an above-and-underground revolutionary legal mass struggle that builds mass organizations and mass alliances into united fronts, capable of uniting the working class, uniting the working class with the semi-working class, petite bourgeoisie, and lumpen proletariat, and uniting the workers' movements with the democratic movements against national oppression and racism, patriarchy, and other forms of oppression. This stage of the struggle also includes developing open and semi-open armed self-defense organizations in urban and rural areas and small underground units as well. Many so-called Leninists today We'll talk about an insurrection in the long and distant future, but fail to clarify what stage of the struggle we are presently in or how we are to develop our struggle into the next stage of mass-armed insurrection that would likely be followed by a People's Revolutionary Civil War, if history has anything to speak to that. The insurrection, apparently, is inevitable. The masses don't need a revolutionary party anymore to develop and guide the thinking and activity and organization of the people. The conditions will get so bad that the masses will spontaneously erupt and awaken to the correct ideas and correct practice. This is what I thought of when I heard insurrection, and so what I had come to do was reject it in my association of it with revisionism and the worshiping of spontaneity. And eventually... Once you've studied even the slightest bit of Marxism, Leninism, Maoism for yourself and begin to learn from or even practice with people who identify as Maoist here in the United States, you will, of course, hear the term protracted people's war and receive different conceptions of it depending on the different so-called Maoist organizations you associate with. And so what I had done was correctly rejected the claim that protracted people's war had been proven to be universally true, but incorrectly assumed that it would one day be proven to be true, only what I was calling projected people's war would look differently in an imperialist metropole as opposed to a semi-colony. The key here being, I didn't realize there were two distinct concepts that needed to conceptually be differentiated between. Those two concepts being people's war, also known as people's revolutionary civil war, and Protracted people's war. I certainly was not under the misconception that it is the principal task of Maoists in the United States to be developing a people's army in the rural lands of the country, to struggle for revolutionary base areas out there, and slowly but surely surround the cities for a swift and final victory. What I had done instead was assumed that what protracted people's war means for semi-colonies is simply different from what protracted people's war will mean for industrial capitalist countries. I didn't realize there was people's war or people's revolutionary civil war and protracted people's war. And so while all this time I have thought that the correct line for capitalist imperialist countries is protracted people's war, what I actually meant was people's war and that the correct line for the American proletarian socialist revolution we'll have three main stages up through the establishment of our democratic dictatorship of the proletariat. Number one, a protracted period of legal mass struggle. Or two, a stage of mass armed insurrection. And three, a stage of revolutionary civil war. The main thing I want to stress here is that people's war and protracted people's war are conceptually different. The latter being particularly applicable in semi-colonies alone. Let's turn to the thinking of Mao and Jose Maria Sasson for some guidance on people's war in industrial capitalist countries. Also, I will have a bunch of links in the show notes for people who want to study these sources with comrades. I have uh, three sources I'm going to read long sections from that clarify what I believe is to be the correct position on the question of people's war in modern day capitalist and modern-day capitalist, in capitalist and peerless countries, such as the United States, China, Russia, Canada, and all of Europe. The three uh, texts are Problems of Strategy and War by Mao, which was written in November 6th of 1938. Then um, A Proposal Concerning the General Line of the International Communist Movement, which was also written by Mao um, in 1963. And then finally On the Question of People's War in Industrial Capitalist Countries by José María Sassón which was written in June, or published in June of 2019. An additional and related link I will add in the show notes will be on Protracted War, which was written in May of 1938. Uh, but because, you know, I, I'm not going to engage the content of that text in the episode, but I do think on Protracted War will also serve as a great and important text um, to contribute to this line struggle. All right, let's start with Mao's Problems of Strategy and War. This is how Mao opens up Section 1, which is titled China's Characteristics in Revolutionary Civil War. Quote, the seizure of power by armed force, the settlement of the issue by war, is the central task in the highest form of revolution. This Marxist-Leninist principle of revolution holds good universally for China and for all other countries. But while the principle remains the same, its application by the party of the proletariat finds expression in varying ways, according to the varying conditions. Internally, capitalist countries practice bourgeois democracy, not feudalism, when they are not fascist or not at war. In their external relations, they are not oppressed by, but themselves oppress, other nations. Because of these characteristics, it is the task of the party of the proletariat in the capitalist countries to educate the workers and build up strength through a long period of legal struggle, and thus prepare for the final overthrow of capitalism. In these countries, the question is one of long legal struggle, of utilizing parliament as a platform, of economic and political strikes, of organizing trade unions and educating the workers. There, the form of organization is legal, in the form of struggle, bloodless, you know, non-military. On the issue of war, the communist parties in the capitalist countries oppose the imperialist wars waged by their own countries. If such wars occur, the policies of these parties is to bring about the defeat of the reactionary governments of their own countries. The one war they want to fight is the civil war for which they are preparing. But this insurrection and war should not be launched until the bourgeoisie becomes really helpless until the majority of the proletariat are determined to rise in arms and fight, and until the rural masses are giving willing help to the proletariat. And when the time comes to launch such an insurrection and war, the first step will be to seize the cities, and then advance into the countryside, and not the other way about. All this has been done by communist parties in capitalist countries, and it has been proved correct, by the October Revolution in Russia. China is different, however. The characteristics of China are that she is not independent and democratic, but semi-colonial and semi-feudal, that internally she has no democracy, but is under feudal oppression, and that in her external relations she has no national independence, but is oppressed by imperialism. It follows that we have no parliament to make use of and no legal right to organize the workers to strike. Basically, the task of the Communist Party here is not to go through a long period of legal struggle before launching insurrection and war and not to seize the big cities first and then occupy the countryside, but the reverse. End quote. Okay, so here Mao has laid out the theory That, as of today, has been proved correct. There are two different types of war that are determined by a particular country's class relations in the era of imperialism. We have people's war and protracted people's war, depending on whether you live in an industrial capitalist country or a semi-capitalist, semi-feudal country, an imperialist metropole, or a semi-colony. Now, both the United States and Canada are internally settler colonies. So, one might raise the question of whether or not our settler colonialism would determine our line to be that of a protracted people's war, as opposed to a people's war. But, it is the character of the United States being capitalist imperialist, and the concentration of 80% of the population into urban areas that determines our strategy of war to be People's Revolutionary Civil War, not protracted People's War. And Mao says that the first stage of revolutionary struggle in our form of war will be one of a long protracted legal struggle that utilizes everything from the workers' movement to community and nationally oppressed struggles, to elections, to political protest, all for the aim of a mass armed insurrection that will inevitably turn into a revolutionary civil war between the proletarian-led revolutionary forces, in the bourgeois-led reaction representing the bourgeoisie, imperialists, and settler colonizers. A people's war seizes the cities first, and then the remainder of the country's uh, rural areas. But in order to seize the cities, the first stage of a long period of legal mass struggle, including the development of mass organizations and mass alliances, coupled with open and semi-open self-defense organizations, must be developed. To prematurely seize any city in a capitalist country is a guaranteed defeat due to the dominance of enemy forces. You have to develop the support, strength, and unity of the masses. This is why Maoists in imperialist metropoles must consciously make a study of united front work, which I just recently released an episode earlier today, actually, and no... A projected period or long-term strategy that develops a legal mass struggle doesn't negate the necessity of underground and illegal work. A dialectical understanding, programs, and policy concerning above and underground legal and illegal work is needed. But it would be a left error to prioritize illegal work as separate from and primary to developing the mass organizations and alliances, namely the United Front. In A Proposal Concerning the General Line of the International Communist Movement, Mao writes, In order to lead the proletariat and working people in revolution, Marxist-Leninist parties must master all forms of struggle and be able to substitute one form for another quickly as the conditions of struggle change. The vanguard of the proletariat will remain unconquerable in all circumstances— only if it masters all forms of struggle—peaceful and armed, open and secret, legal and illegal, parliamentary struggle and mass struggle, etc.—it is wrong to refuse to use parliamentary and other legal forms of struggle when they can and should be used. However, if a Marxist-Leninist party falls into legalism or parliamentary cretinism, confining the struggle within the limits permitted by the bourgeoisie, this will inevitably lead to renouncing the proletarian revolution and the dictatorship of the proletariat." End quote. Now, some folks compare Mao's words in Problems of Strategy and War to a proposal concerning the general line of the international communist movement and suggest that Mao's thinking evolved between 1938 and 1963 on the strategy for the capitalist countries. But personally, I think this is a bit of a dogmatic and rigid reading of problems of strategy in war. While Mao is a person, like everyone else, who's thinking evolved over time, Mao did not think in 1938 that the proletarian strategy in imperialist countries was one-sidedly legal and above ground. Just because Mao doesn't talk about the dialectical relationship between the two in the short introduction of an article about protracted people's war, Not uh, People's Revolutionary Civil War doesn't mean he would have had such a bizarre and incorrect position, but these two texts, I believe, clearly identify that Mao sought to develop a new strategy for the context of semi-feudal semi-colonies, one that was different from the already existing strategy of People's War, or People's Revolutionary Civil War. And finally... Nearly 55 years later, in 2019, Jose Maria Sasson published an article titled On the Question of People's War in Industrial Capitalist Countries, defending Mao's thesis not on, uh, not on the universality, but the particularity of protracted people's war. This is a text you will want to read in full. I'll read from two sections. Quote, In industrial capitalist countries the proletarian revolutionaries cannot begin the revolutionary war with a small and weak people's army in the countryside and hope to use the wide space and indefinite time in the countryside to sustain the war. As soon as that army dares to launch the first tactical offensive, it will be overwhelmed by the huge armed army and the highly unified economic communications and transport system of the monopoly bourgeoisie. However, the term people's war may be flexibly used to mean the necessary armed revolution by the people to overthrow the bourgeois state in an industrial capitalist country. But definitely, what ought to be protracted is the preparation for the armed revolution with the overwhelming participation of the people." Quote. Further down, Sasson continues, quote, "...there is no protracted people's war of any kind going on in any industrial capitalist country. What has been protracted is merely idle talk, or hot air, about the possibility of waging protected people's war. No serious preparations for it are being made. There can never be such a people's war without preparations for a certain period of time, depending on the subjective factors and the objective conditions. It will take at least some years to prepare and to realize the start of such armed revolution of the people. A people's war of whatever duration and scale is possible in the industrial capitalist country only after a period of preparations of ideological work, political education and mass work, party and mass organizing, clandestine accumulation of arms, politico-military training, and Bolshevik-style penetration of the reactionary armed forces. Such preparations or suggestions thereof should not be disdained or begrudged. These preparations ought to take advantage of the imperialist crises and wars, splits among the imperialist powers, violent contradictions among reactionary factions in the imperialist countries, the revolutionary advances being made in the underdeveloped countries, the desire of the proletariat and the people for revolutionary change and the strength of the revolutionary party to lead the armed revolution of the people in their millions, end quote. All right, so, in our present global stage of the strategic defensive of the world uh, proletarian revolution, it is the tasks of Maoists in the industrial capitalist countries to develop people's war, or people's revolutionary civil war, not protracted people's war. It will be the unity of people's wars and protracted people's war in the imperialist countries and semi-colonies that will bring fascism, imperialism, and capitalism to their end. Understanding the particular strategy for a particular country is essential to achieve this great task. And to clarify our thinking and practice, let's consider the right and left deviations concerning people's war in the industrial capitalist countries. A right deviation is what I had referred to in the beginning and what I associated with revisionists who hypothetically speak of insurrection but really aren't doing anything but maybe trailing the masses with an economic as opposed to political consciousness. A rightist error would be to either, in theory or in practice, abandon the necessity of working toward a mass armed insurrection. Reformism plagues global Marxism today, and so this error is quite easy for Maoists to see. A left deviation could manifest in a few different ways, I think. For one, it is a left error to claim the particular strategy of protracted people's war in which you develop an army and establish the revolutionary base areas in the countryside you know, draining the resources and power of the enemy in the rural areas and then surround the cities for the final seizure. But if someone said, no, we need to particularly apply the protracted people's war strategy to the imperialist metropoles by creating new kinds of revolutionary base areas in urban areas, this would also be a left error because the revolutionary base areas would completely lose their original meaning as developed for protracted people's war and semi-colonies. Left opportunism will deny the present stage of a protracted legal mass struggle. It is armed struggle that they want, and they want it now. Or perhaps left opportunism will claim that this strategy is reformist. But again, even though our present stage needs a long-term strategy for building legal mass organizations and alliances into various united fronts capable of of bringing the workers' movement and the democratic movements to its broadest and strongest unity, this does not mean that this stage is one-sidedly above ground or one-sidedly legal. A dialectical understanding and an implementation of the two is the correct approach in this stage. I hope this reflection has been helpful. Check out the links in the show notes to visit the primary sources. As always, uh, ratings and reviews boost this content. And I uh, genuinely, a deep and sincere thank you to people who support the show at Patreon. All right. Peace.